I'm a big fan of habits because they are the foundation for mastery. They're also an amazing weapon for your weak will, which we're all born with. You need to build habits before you can reach goals, before you can become a master at anything. Like dribbling before worrying about what strategy you're running on offense. Habits let you automate the fundamentals so you can hit the next level of performance. We've talked about your inner world and your outer world, the tyranny of the urgent that takes over when you don't set the priority of the important. How hustle with meaning is good, but busyness for the sake of busyness is bad. How focused people can accomplish so much more than driven people. Blah, 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 Tom. We're getting tired of hearing this now, right? But hang in there. Because now we need habits to make all these things stick. Because you can learn and learn, but until you implement, you will get nowhere. Habits are what keep you doing the dad for daily, weekly, quarterly. Okay, so you know what habits you now need to form, but they're hard to make stick. The implementation is just tough. Well, here's how to make habits stick. Habits that are more immediately satisfied are more likely to be repeated. Think eating a donut. The immediate is favorable, satisfying, but long-term, it isn't. That was a bad habit. Now, most good habits are the opposite. They're not immediately satisfied, like going to the gym. You're not going to see improvement for a while. So the challenge for building good habits and breaking bad ones is finding a way to move the long-term consequences into the immediate. Here's a trick. The ultimate form of immediate gratification is the reinforcement of your desired identity. When you go to the gym, you're reinforcing the identity of, I'm a person that never misses a workout. Or you start writing and you reinforce the identity of, I'm an author because I'm a person that shows up to write every day. So you get a little bit of immediate satisfaction just for already being that person. And you still get the long-term rewards. Your habits embody the identity of who you are. Every time you go to the gym, you build the identity of someone who works out. When you keep your car or your desk clean, you build the identity that you are a clean, tidy, neat person. And when you do habits enough times and you form this identity, you start to believe that about yourself. If you go to church for 20 years, you're going to believe that you are a religious person. In that way, your habits provide evidence of your desired identity. That's the ultimate reason that habits are so important. Sure, habits can get you thin, make you more productive, keep you focused, help you hustle. But in addition to these external things, habits also shape your sense of self. They're the window through which you learn to believe things about yourself. You know the phrase, fake it till you make it? That's asking yourself to believe something without evidence for it, without habits to back it up. Yeah, you can do that for a while, but that's delusion, and eventually you'll just give up on that. So a better way is to form good habits and start following them. Then you have evidence to root your belief in. Here's a key takeaway. Large or small, your habits provide evidence of the type of person that you are. So what comes first? your identity and forming the habits to build that, or the good habits and you form the identity from those. It's a 
chicken or egg situation here? Well, it's a little of both. You need to know what type of identity you're after for specific habits to follow. But for the more general habits, like, say, neatness, these can come first and your identity can follow. So what habits should you be creating? Well, first, you should have four non-negotiable habits that you do unplanned on a daily basis. And these are the dad four. After that, you form your habits based on your monthly dad four, your quarterly dad goals, and based on what you defined as the meaning or purpose for your focused hustle. For example, if your purpose is to be a great stay-at-home dad, your habits are going to differ quite a bit from a dad whose purpose is to both grow his entrepreneurial business and spend time with his family on exotic trips. The worksheets will help you through these steps. Now, just to make things complex, there are habits and there are systems. Habits are good, or bad, things you do to train yourself, which helps you in other areas. Systems are procedures for a certain task. Here's an example. A good habit is keeping your car clean. A system is having a schedule of what days you clean your car and how you go about cleaning it. Here's another takeaway. You don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. Usually, and we've been trained in this, the first step in achieving something is to set a goal. Sometimes you achieve your goals and sometimes you don't. Winners and losers often have the same goals. Like Olympians, they all have the same goal, to win gold. But only one athlete does win gold in each event. Okay, so if both the winners and the losers have the same goal, then the goal can't be the thing that distinguishes the two and predicts success. You're right. The thing that distinguishes the two is the process or the system it took to get to that goal. Achieving a goal only changes your life for a moment. If you make a goal to clean your car, then you spend some time, do it, and you feel good. But if you don't change the messy habits that got your car that way in the first place, then you really haven't solved anything. Striving for a goal is treating a symptom without treating the cause. Habits are a better solution in this case. If you fix the habits and build the systems, the goal comes automatically. You see, people want things out of life. Health, happiness, lower stress, to get a better job. But the outcome is not the thing that needs to change. It's the habits and systems that precede it. So this is a good spot to debunk the myth of how many days does it take to form a habit? I get asked this a lot when I speak on habits. The problem with this question is that the asker is looking for, when do I have to stop doing this and it becomes natural? When is this thing done? The answer is that it takes forever to form a habit. If you stop, then it's no longer a habit. It's a constant choice and a decision. Habits are not a finish line to be crossed, but a lifestyle to be lived. If you look at it as a lifestyle change, then you look at it all differently. You think, What's something small and sustainable I can stick with? What's something that can actually last over time? True, a habit will become more automatic with practice, but it's never complete. The more repetition you practice, the stronger and more ingrained it becomes. So it's really never done. So you need to understand what sparks a habit for you and also what makes it stick. Okay, you ready? This is what I call the four frameworks 
of every habit. First, the cue, and that's the reminder. Second is the craving, that's the want. Three is the response, that's your action or the habit itself. And four is the reward. So first, the cue. This is the reminder. You can't have a habit without having a way to remind you, something to trigger you. But the problem is that the same person can respond to the same cue in a different way at different times because of outside factors. For example, my alarm clock is my cue to get up at the time that is a habit for me. But in the winter months when the room is dark and cold, that cue is totally different to me than in the summer, unless I'm getting up to go skiing. Number two, craving. You need to create a want for this habit or this behavior based on the goal. A big tip here is support. Find a group where your desired behavior is their normal behavior. You may feel like going to the gym is completely an obligation, but there are people who going to the gym on a daily basis is just normal for them. If you want to learn an instrument, hang out with people who play it every day. But don't just join a group because they have the desired behavior. Try to find some shared behavior, some overlap. Then it's easier to adopt the desired behavior. Third, the response. You gotta make the habit easy. Make sure you're not cranking up the hose valve before you see if there's a kink in the hose, right? Make it easy first before you crank up the level and make it harder. Also, you can't make positive habits stick in a negative environment. So you need to reduce the negative environment. How? Well, scale the habit down. Make it as easy as possible. Even when you know you should start small, it's really easy to start too big. Try to make any habit fit within two minutes for at least a few weeks. That way you master the art of showing up. I pop in the gym, lift for 10 or 15 minutes, then I leave. People snicker, but it works because I get there. I like to stop by church, walk in the back, drop to one knee, say hi, and leave. I literally just say the word hi. God loves it as far as I know. And sure, you hear examples of people who changed their life overnight, who said they realized at that moment they were going to change. It happens. But the truth is that it normally doesn't work like that. Most people start small. The experts will tell you to optimize your habit for the goal. In other words, the result. But instead, if you optimize for the starting line, you'll get much better results. Also, optimize your environment. You can prime your environment to make the future action easier. If you set out your workout clothes the night before, it's easier to work out the next morning. You want the physical environment to make it obvious and easy for you to do the behavior. I work from an office and I have the perfect push-up. I mean, my push-up isn't perfect. What I mean is that I have the product called the perfect push-up from Walmart. There are these discs with handles where you do a really intense push-up. Guess where I leave them in the office? Between the door and my desk, right in the middle of the floor. I trip on them. And it's not just to impress visitors. It gets me to just do it. And in the reverse, if you want to get rid of a bad habit, instead of making it obvious, make it invisible. Leave your phone in the car when you go to dinner with family or your wife. When people rebound on a habit, for example, they gain weight back after good eating and exercising habits are lost, or someone who gets clean falls back into drug use, it's almost 
always due to going back to the same environment, whether physically or socially. And don't forget logistics. There's a lot of things that people don't think about in forming a habit, like in going to the gym. Okay, well, which one? When are you going? Who are you going with? Remove the friction. Then you can worry about how long you're going to work out. And scaling down a habit will make this really happen pretty naturally too. Fourth, reward. Every behavior is followed by some sort of outcome. It's a cause and effect. And if the outcome is positive, then you have a reason to repeat it in the future. If you feel good, then you want to do it again. The key is that it needs to be immediate. Behaviors that are immediately rewarded get repeated. Behaviors that are immediately punished get avoided. But the key is speed, how quickly you feel this. This is so true when disciplining your kids. If you don't act swiftly, the moment gets lost. The founding fathers even put swift justice as a concept into the Constitution. One of the most important forms of immediate reward is progress. As soon as you feel progress, you have a reason to continue. It feels good to see that you're making headway. So those are the four frameworks of every habit. After that, you just need a healthy dose of willpower or discipline to make the rest happen, and some people have more than others. But discipline can be developed, and the way to develop it is different than what most people think. Most people think, I need discipline or willpower, so I should just try harder. But that's not all there is. The real fact is, the people who appear to have the greatest willpower, discipline, or self-control do try harder, but they are almost always tempted the least. They literally just face temptation less frequently because they've designed their environment this way. So they have the resolve to resist it when it occasionally comes up. So the way to get better discipline is, obviously, to strengthen yourself and become stronger using the grace of God, but also to design your environment to make temptation less frequent versus just saying, I'll just try harder. In other words, set yourself up to win. I know that was a lot to cover, but the worksheet will help too. So to get started, just pick one new habit to start. Just pick one simple thing. That way you'll embody the identity of someone who is getting better, making progress, and reaching towards a goal. Get out of bad environments and surround yourself with positive people who practice the same good habits. Use accountability partners or coaches if you need to. Make it your goal to see a 1% change and use that as a stepping stone to the next level.